Coming up on Facts from the Stacks. Uh, she was slow. It was real slow. And Just watching sand for yeah, hours. <laughs> it, is, um, it is very sad beige. Such sad beige. Everything was sad beige. <laughs> I feel like Timothy Chalamet is sad beige. Welcome to Facts from the Stacks, a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers. Facts from the Stacks, created by the staff at the Jackson-Madison County Library, is your library news and book-based trivia podcast. Join your hosts, Kelly and Shane, for what we're reading, what's happening in the library, and tons of trivia. We will have games and quizzes so you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump other library staff. Greetings, gardening gang. You love that. Welcome back to Facts from the Stacks. Welcome back. Today's episode is about gardening. Yeah, it's our fourth episode. This fourth is our episode. first one since we released our first three. Yeah. So we have like, we have listeners. Yeah, so exciting. That's really fun. <laughs> it's been a good time. Yeah. Let's Thank you get... to everyone who has listened. Yeah. We feel very cool. Let's get into it. Woohoo. Let's we'll start with what we've been borrowing recently yes. okay. so the first thing I, as I showcased in episode three I love horror movies mm-hmm. love horror movies um, I borrowed smile on DVD from the mm. library um, I was really... I made fun of that movie when the trailers were coming out because it looked really goofy because it's like, it's just like, oh, they're being followed by people who are smiling at them. But I, I watched the movie last night at home alone. Oh. And it was a mistake because I got legitimately scared. Yeah, that sounds horrifying. Um, so it was a bad idea. Wow. It's been a minute since a horror movie got to me. And yeah. It, yeah, she got to me. Wow. It was a little spooky. More power to you for yeah. risking that. I was... Normally I'm fine, but yeah. it was like it really got me. Hmm. You've but, been warned. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't. Yeah, be careful. Don't watch it by yourself. Yeah, true. What about you? Um, so I've been reading very excitingly for me is Happy Place by Emily Henry because Homegirl is like my favorite author. Oh, she wrote Book Lovers, People We Meet on Vacation, okay. and Beach Read. I didn't know her until you said People We Meet on Vacation. Yes, she writes. Stunning romantic comedies. Um, okay. But they're, I don't know, she's just the best. I could gush all day. But anyways, this is her newest book. It just came out last week. So shout out to working at the library because I got to be on the first in line for the hold list. Wow. So perks of the job, baby. Absolutely. But I'm about halfway through and it is not disappointing. She's my girl. That's amazing. So if you're into that genre, you got to try you some Emily Henry. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. Mm, it's good. Um, another thing that I borrowed while researching for this episode, Ooh. I borrowed um, The Hidden Life of Trees. Ooh, yes. Um, I'll get more into that later, um, but that's that's a thing. You know, researching for these episodes, I dive into a lot of our books and just, you know see what they're all about and sometimes it doesn't turn out well like with jello and yeah um jello was not fine but the it wasn't uh, fine but it the was spam was fine spam was fine <laughs> i did not try spam between last episode and this episode. okay so you'll have to let us know I still what got, i'm do. still working on it yeah but do you have you borrowed anything else um well kind of to your point when we were talking about putting this episode together 
it happens that the audiobook I just finished this morning kind of related to the whole, what was it called? Secret Life of Trees? Yeah, The Hidden Life of Trees. Hidden Life mm-hmm. of Trees. I read, listened to The Island of Missing Trees by Elif Shazak, I think is how their name is said. Interesting. But anyways, it's fiction, but it does touch on that topic of like how plants communicate. So that's kind of funny that the timing worked out. That's a fortuitous. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know? Did you know is our general trivia segment where we talk about today's topic. One of the things that I researched... um, was gardening zones. Mm, So, you know, there's on the back of when you buy like a seed packet, there's always the little U.S. map and it's got the different colored strips across. Yes. So what I looked into is how that worked. Like who set that system up? That's a great question. Um, So currently it is a system that was created by the USDA Um, for rating plant hardiness based on like the average temperatures of the area. Ah. Um, so currently there are 13 zones and some of them have like little subdivisions in them. Okay. Um, it was first established in 1927, the first time that they tried to make a map like this. Um, it was the Arnold Arboretum in Boston that tried to map, you know, temperatures so that you would know what plants would thrive in different areas um it saw it had a lot of different changes and a lot of revisions so released in 27 revised in 38 51 67 and uh, and 71 um and that was not related to the usda at all okay because that's Um, what i was going to ask is like the one that's on the back of a seed packet today, like when was that last? Revised? Should be that should be the USDA one that began um, in nineteen sixty. Okay, they revised it in sixty five and then totally scrapped it and revamped it in nineteen ninety. Huh. Um, and they added those subdivisions and then added two more zones. Okay. Um, in twenty twelve, so that's pretty Ooh, recent. New zone twenty twelve. Yeah, so that's a pretty recent thing. That's the last time that the USDA updated one. There's also one that's made by the Arbor Day Foundation. Mm. They use a similar kind of map, but they have like different borders. And then they also removed the subdivisions. Okay. So Madison County is in zone 7A. I was going to ask. I think I was like, I think it's seven. Yeah, it's seven. So (laughs) if you're looking at the Arbor Day Foundation map, we're zone seven. If you're looking at the USDA, we're 7A is what that seems like. Yeah. So that basically what that means is our average minimum temperature in the winter is zero to five degrees. Fahrenheit. So that's the lowest average. Like we don't usually go sub zero. Right. Okay. Thankfully. Yeah. I don't love that. (laughs) It also means that our last frost day is around April 15th and our first frost day is around November 15th. Okay. We'll be right back with more facts from the stacks. Summer's upon us and the library is a great place to spend time. Whether you like to spend your time at the pool or in the sun with a book, we have something for you. All Together Now is our theme this year, and we're making sure that you can find your community here at the library. 
Whether it's reading or knitting or painting or gardening or coding or board games or cooking or video games or traveling or crafts or photography or sports or music or Pokemon or movies or Harry Potter or... You can find all the things that you like here at the library all summer long, starting June 3rd. Check our website or social media for a full list of events. I also went through and looked at some plants that do really well here. Oh, yes. Um, Now, this is based on that whole strip that kind of goes across the whole of the U.S. So Because yes. it's like they go in strips. Some of the things that do really well here and then a couple little facts about some of them. Um, pansies do really well oh. in our area, um, in our zone. Um, I did not know that pansies are edible. Yeah. And that they're apparently they're kind of minty and they're good in salad. Oh, I've never tried a pansy. I I've just seen them like on baked goods, you know, like when things have edible flowers on them. That's true. I feel like pansy is a common one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I realize I've seen that on Bake Off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Shout out out to Great British Bake Off for the third week in a row. (laughs) Yarrows, which are tiny, like, they're like tiny flowers that are really clustered, but they're Mm. really good for butterflies. Okay, yes. Um, They're aromatic and they have beneficial healing properties and they Ooh. symbolize everlasting love. Oh my. Yeah. That's lovely. For a plant I've never heard of it so it seems to do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um <clears throat> we have black-eyed susans. Right. That's pretty common. Yeah. Um daffodils. My fave. Which I didn't realize you actually are supposed to plant daffodils in the fall. Yeah, I learned like that because my friend has a tulip garden and so I just relate those two together because they're both bulbs and yeah she has to to plant them all in the fall for them to plop up in the early spring. It's interesting because it, it said to plant them two to four weeks before the first frost. So like sometime yeah. in late October, early November. Yeah. That's really interesting. I had no idea. I know it's cool that like the bulbs just sit under snow and stuff all winter long and they're like cooking up. That's my favorite thing since I've moved to Tennessee is like probably my top favorite thing is when you know that winter is ending is when the daffodils start sprouting up everywhere. Oh, that's true. And here they're just like a weed. Like they're on the side of the freeway. Oh, they're everywhere. They're in your backyard. Like that just wasn't the case. You don't have to buy daffodils. They're just so go pretty. Just go snatch them off of exactly. some, you know, side road somewhere. Yeah, that's legal. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, asters are another one that are mm, popular. Pretty. Irises, I feel like that's pretty... That's the state flower, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. And I did not know that... So the fleur-de-lis symbol, ah. that's what the fleur-de-lis is, is a, an, an iris. iris. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Had no idea. Canis, hydrangeas. Pretty. Beautiful flowers. Mm-hmm. Flocks, P-H-L-O-X. Oh, that's a fun word. <laughs> Never heard of that one before, but apparently it's a really good pollinator plant. Okay. Um, crepe myrtles, which we have here at the library, Cute. that yeah. bloom outside. Lilacs and daisies. Delphinium, which is a really poisonous plant. Mm. That's it looks like foxglove. You know how it's like the cone oh, of flowers okay. almost. Yes. Bamboo, of course, which by the way can grow thirty-five inches in one day. I got that too on my that's list. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. It is the fastest growing plant. Yeah, that's what I had for a world record. So sorry to take no. That's care. okay. I mean, um, we love that poppies, baby's breath. Cute. Lavender, which you just said you bought your I lavender I bought a lavender plant. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Recorded uses all the way back to 77 AD mm, for I love lavender. The smell of lavender. 
I do too. And I recently, you know, have been really into lavender flavored things. Ooh, yeah. Some people are like, ooh, it's soapy, but I I don't. I was going to say, I feel like it's one of those polarizing ones like cilantro. Like I have a friend that cannot stand the scent of lavender. I don't like cilantro. So I feel cilantro. like you love it or you hate it. Yeah. No in between. Yeah. I don't love cilantro. <laughs> yeah. Love lavender. Mm, interesting. So it's not like. Yeah, no, it, I don't think it's the Words. same. I don't think it's the same gene. set of like gene. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same gene that determines gotcha. your like or hate of cilantro. Garlic and chives. Mm-hmm. Love that. I need to grow some garlic because yeah, I can never get that. enough garlic in anything I cook. Same. So, um, and then of course, raspberries, blueberries, strawberries, uh, and rhubarb grow in our area really oh, well cool. as well. Also, little. Fun fact, most zones have become half a zone or like what is equivalent to two and a half to five degrees hotter in the wintertime since 1990. The map that the USD released in 1990. Interesting. So yeah, that's what I've got on like gardening zones. Some really basic like why they're divided up that way. Yeah, love Mm -hmm. that. Okay, so one of the topics I looked up was famous fictional plants. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Festive and fun. Yeah. I feel like that's a good overlap between, like, a library podcast about gardening because yeah, plants that were in fiction. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't know our, our Whomping Willows? And yes. Our, you know, all our Harry Potter plants, and we've got, yeah. you know, there's a lot. Yeah, okay. All yeah, right. so when I started researching, there was, like, an article that I was reading through, and it had it kind of broken up by category. So, like, there's several worlds that have like a bunch of different plants right so like in middle earth lord of the rings lore there's tons of different they plants talk about it a lot right mm-hmm. same with harry potter like there's a whole bag of plants in that world and so like different universes you know have their own fictional plants there's the, there was like big categories of those mm-hmm. and then there was a couple like one-off icons that i recognized really okay. easily okay so number one audrey two Found from Little Shop of Horrors, the iconic musical. Um, And if you're not familiar, Audrey 2 is a singing, fast-talking alien plant with a taste for human blood. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The next one I found was Inkvine, which is found in the Dune universe. Okay. So the novels by, is it Frank Herbert? Yes. And then there was movies in like the (sighs) 80s. There was movies in the 80s. Now they just have started a reboot. They have. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just like say that. (laughs) Side note, I hated that movie. It was pretty boring. Like I didn't, I came into it, I'd never seen the old movies or read the books, didn't know anything about it. I didn't either. But she was slow. It was real slow. Just watching sand for hours. (laughs) It is, um, it is very sad beige. Such sad beige. Everything was sad beige. <laughs> I feel like Timothy Chalamet is sad beige in, yeah. in his essence. Okay, but here's where it gets worse, though, is that <laughs> um, they announced, you know, that the second movie is coming or whatever. Yes. But what they said is like, ooh, the first movie may as well have just been a trailer for the second movie. Oh, golly gosh. But anyway, so Inkvine is a creeping plant native to one of the planets, I think. And it's used as a whip, and victims are marked by beet-colored tattoos that cause residual pain. So oh. she's not a nice plant. So it so when they like hit them with it, it marks them. Yeah, and, permanently, like, stays. and then oh. that mark is permainently oh. painful. Oh, which that's... I feel like I can't think of a lot in real life 
that's like there that. is one it's called the suicide plant oh, because gosh. once you have been exposed to it it will hurt for the rest of your life wow that's terrible As- Right, moving on to lighter territory, we have the Truffula Tree from the Lorax. If you're not familiar, it's a book by Dr. Seuss, but they made an animated movie on it, I think in like 2011, I want to say. That sounds like the right time frame. Starring Zac Efron. So, of of course I saw it, and of course I loved it. But they're these little trees. Their trunks kind of look like a birch tree, like that black and white texture. Yeah, stripey. And then they have like a fluffy top that looks like a troll's hair, if you will. Uh And um, the plot of the movie is that this guy takes the tops of those trees and knits them into a thneed. (laughs) Oh, now everything (laughs) makes sense. Oh. Um, and they're supposed to be softer than silk. Okay. <laughs> Those are the things I found. <laughs> All right. Another one is Redweed from War of the Worlds by H.G. Oh. Wells. Okay. And this one's fun because it was brought to Earth by the invading Martians. So it's a Mars, a Martian plant from oh. Mars. Okay. That they brought to Earth. Kind of like how... Lots of plants in the earth got brought places. Yeah, by I mean, just just peoples. by people. Yeah, <laughs> things that are not indigenous end mm-hmm. up spreading. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, gillyweed, Harry Potter, of course. Um, turn you into a mermaid plant. Pretty much, yeah. So it's seaweed like, and it gives you gills, fins, and flippers temporarily when consumed. So as we discussed earlier, there's tons of plants in Harry Potter, but so many. one of my personal favorites because Neville Longbottom for life. Shout out. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Um, the boy okay. should have been a Hufflepuff. Thank you. I was going to say go Puffs, but then I was like, oh, he wasn't a Hufflepuff, but like he was. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they just get a little mixed up in where they go. Sometimes it'd be like that. Because Hermione Granger was a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and my last one was Nightlock from The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins, which is the plant that has poisonous berries that will kill the consumer. So if you know, you know from the end of the story. Absolutely. Yeah. No spoilers. No spoilers. only been out for... I know, I can't imagine people that years. don't know what happened at the end of Hunger Games. Yeah. But, yeah, so this, those were some of the top ones that stood out when I was looking into that topic. But there was a really fun infographic that had, like, maybe, like, hundreds of, like, oh all of the, the fictional plants. So that was really cool. Oh, so I'm if sure. you're interested, look that up. It was cool. That's awesome. We'll be right back with more Facts from the Stacks. This summer, the library is starting a small community garden. If you've been listening to this podcast and have some experience, or if you want to learn about the process of gardening, come see us. We will be hosting Garden Days on June 14th and July 12th, where we'll talk about the crops we're growing, how they're changing, and more. Anytime you stop by the library during the summer, come by the garden and help us maintain it with a little weed pulling or growth charting. So we go from magical plants uh-huh. to things that real life plants can do that you might not have realized. Because I'm going to talk about how plants communicate. Um, so it is that is a total like that's a field of science and like forestry that's only a couple decades old. Like it's mm. not been around for that long at all. 
people actually, when the first studies of plant communication came out, people were like, that's that's crackpot theory. Like, <laughs> there's <fake>. no, that's <laughs> completely fake. Um, so... In 1983, there were two studies that were published that demonstrated that willow trees, poplars, and sugar maples warn one another about pests that are coming to their area. Totally uninfested trees close to ones that had damage began to produce bug repellent chemicals to stop themselves from being attacked. Wow. So just by being close to these other ones... Somehow, the other trees that had not been attacked yet started raising defenses against those pests. They were able to know what the other trees in their area were experiencing and prevent it from happening to them. Wow. So that, that study came out, or those two studies came out. And people were like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. That's just not, that's not real. And As so, humans do. <laughs> yeah. So over the years, we've done more studies and 40 out of 48 studies since then. Mm-hmm. So a huge percentage of studies since then um, have confirmed that other plants detect signals from one another. Wow. <laughs> and that they increase the production of chemicals for defense purposes. Wow. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really neat. There's a few really specific examples. The Arabidopsis thalania, a.k.a. the failcress, mouse earcress, or Arabidopsis, is basically that is what the plant biology community uses as their like baseline. It's like their lab rat. Oh, okay. It is the plant that they use to conduct experiments on. Okay. So there's a man from Switzerland's University of Lausanne named Ted Farmer, who um, are plant signaling pioneers. Ooh. Um, they researched electrical signals that are within plants. Oh, my gosh. Not just chemical, but electrical signals and how those electrical signals are used in plant communication. Hmm. So in the crests that they use, they monitored the pulses in leaves. They use, like, electrodes to monitor these electrical pulses. Oh, okay. And they allowed these leaf worms to feast on these leaves. And so within seconds of the leaves being damaged and starting to be eaten, the plant started sending electrical signals to other parts of the plant. Whoa. So you would have these leaves being eaten and then very far from, you know, all the way down the stem or in a totally different part of the plant, the plant started to produce chemicals that would stop that from happening. Wow. So specifically it released something called jasmonic acid, which is a defensive compound. Um, and that increased as the signals got to other parts of the plant. And what I looked up is that that acid, it reduces the nutritional content that the bug is able to absorb from the plant. Whoa. So it doesn't necessarily make it unappetizing, but 
the bug is not going to get benefit from eating that So it's more of like a long-term solution almost. It's Uh, almost like protecting their future generations. Like, I'm a goner, but I'm going to establish this Uh so that people, these people, (laughs) these bugs won't eat my my plant babies. Right. Pretty much. It's really interesting because, like I said, it's it's such a long-term. It's not like a repellent. It's not, you know, anything like that. But it is literally just, you're going to eat me, but you're not going to get benefits from it. Yeah. So there. Yeah, it's really weird. (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah. So a couple of other examples, maize in one study, when it's attacked by beet army worms, releases chemicals that will attract wasps. And then these wasps will come and lay eggs in the caterpillars that are eating them. Oh, God. So basically, you're calling down a swarm of wasps. (laughs) Huzzah! (laughs) On two. Yeah. I mean, it's a little crazy. Ants, moths, hummingbirds, and even tortoises are among some species that can detect and react to some of the chemicals that plants produce. Wow. um, Just in various ways. So there's, you know, plants give off these signals and we say it's plant communication and that they're talking, you know, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, with one another. But a lot of people prefer to like say it's more like eavesdropping. Like it's not like they're purposefully communicating with another plant uh, but that them releasing those reacting, chemicals they're reacting and the other, other plants can sense those reactions. those changes Interesting. yeah so then they can you know if they're close enough then they can also yeah you know produce those chemicals to stop something from happening to them before it happens that's amazing so it's really cool mm-hmm. um now a lot of these things are observed in labs so mm-hmm. it, it is, we don't really, again, it's, it's a field that's only, you know, it, it's 30, 40 years old, right. you know? Um, so it's just now being really researched. So we can see a lot of how this works in a lab setting, but how it works in the field is a little different or it's harder to observe yeah. how long-term how that works. So it's just one of those things that we're going to have to watch. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Because when you started talking about this topic, I was like, well, mm-hmm. how do they know that? And that kind of answers that question. Yeah, absolutely. That they've had to, like, replicate it in a lab. Yes. And so... It's hard to, to detect that in nature. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's hard to, you know, just happen across those findings in nature. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, I mentioned earlier that I read into The Hidden Life of Trees. Yes. So it is a book written by a man named Peter Wollobin, and it was translated into English by Tim Flannery. What was the original language? So it was originally written in German. So he's a German forester. Cool. So people who read it, like people like you or me, Mm -hmm. or a lot of our patrons, really were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, who knew? (laughs) You know, so people were fascinated by it. But there's a lot of foresters and plant biologists who are like, no, that's not, this book is not good. Oh. And it's not that the science listed in it is incorrect or that it doesn't work that way, but... More that you should take it with a grain of salt because a lot of the ways that the things are worded 
humanizes plants and it's not comparable okay so it exaggerates the truth behind how much it's actually communicating in the way that we think of you know it's not like they're sending signals that are received the same way as us talking to each other and so it humanizes it and there's a quote that i wanted to read from it because i feel like that will give you an idea of how it could be exaggerated. Mm -hmm. So the quote is, when you know that trees experience pain and have memories and that tree parents live together with their children, then you can no longer just chop them down and disrupt their lives with larger machines. Mm. You can tell that's like an emotionally charged, like that's an emotionally charged statement. It's kind of a leap. Like you see how he got there, but then it's like, okay, let's unpack that. Right. So it's, you know, when he's saying things like trees experience pain, it's not in the same way that we experience it. It's that they can tell that damage has been done. Right. And that they have to release a chemical to prevent that. Yeah. Not that they, not that they actually have pain receptors in the same way that we think of. Gotcha. So that's, It's fascinating, and I do encourage people to read it because looking through it, it really is fascinating. Mm -hmm. But when you read through it, keep in mind that it is kind of dramatized in a way. Yeah. That's Um, a great point just in general when you're approaching, like, a new nonfiction topic that you don't – that you're not familiar with. Right. That, like, just because someone published a book on it doesn't mean it's, like – 100% 100% fact. Right. So whenever you go to learn anything new, that's kind of a good just perspective. To yeah. Have. And and watch and watch for that emotional language yeah. like that because, you know, at some point he he says like because there's also a part in the book that talks about that plants make noise. They can communicate through like sound. They make mm. there is a frequency of sound that plants can make that trees mm. specifically can make by you know, moving water through their system. Oh. Um, and it's not anything we can hear, but it's perceptible through equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls it tree screaming. And that's not... That's a bit of a jump. It's a jump. It's just a little much. <laughs> so that's just something to, you know, something to keep in mind when you're reading it. Yeah. Is that it is fascinating science, um, but that people in that field are like you're kind of misrepresenting it just a little bit yeah yeah that's interesting yeah our final facts and quiz segment will be right back after this break thursdays can be a real drag halfway through the week not yet tgif but thursday nights don't have to be boring we have tons of board games for your entertainment and you can also dust off your old favorites to bring for others to play too whether it's monopoly or life you enjoy or whether you're into dungeons and dragons or settlers of Catan, you can find board games you love here at the library and people to play them with every first and third thursday from five until seven you can join us for game night all right so the other thing that i looked into was world records in the category of plants. And so I just picked out a few that were kind of interesting and fun. Okay. Um, The first one that stood out to me was the world's largest wedding bouquet. Because who would even think? (laughs) Okay. And it was this year. So January 22nd of this year in India. And it consisted of 9,400 flowers. What? Like, so individual flowers. And it was one, wait, 136.7 meters long. 
what? I mean, how do you how, <laughs> how do you do the the bouquet toss? Yeah, I don't think they tossed that one. That That's would be my assumption. Wow. And like, obviously, multiple people had to carry that bad boy. That is interesting. <laughs> but I thought that was funny. Wow. Okay, the most plants planted by an individual in one hour. Okay. Would you me, like to do a guess? Okay. I'm going to guess like 600. Okay. So it was October 24th, 2015. Steve Thorpe of the United Kingdom, 3,336 plants in one hour. That means that he must have been planting at about like a plant per second. So he was just shoving, right? Nepenthes have the largest prey of all carnivorous plants. They can eat frogs, birds, and even rats. Is that the the pitcher plant? Uh, I think so. But just the concept of like a plant eating a whole rat was wild. Well, because, you know, as a child learning what a Venus flytrap is, you're like, oh my God. Even that's a lot. And like, that's a tiny fly. Yeah. Um, Okay. The world's heaviest pumpkin. Mm -hmm. Would you like to pitch a guess in pounds? 1,800 pounds. 2,702. You're pretty close. I was close enough. Yeah. All right. The oldest living tree. It's named Methuselah after the oldest living person in the Bible. Or if that makes sense. Like yeah. Yeah. Character yeah, yeah. in the Bible that yes. lived the longest. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, it's over 4,800 years old. Oh, my gosh. And it's a bristlecone pine. And this is the spicy part that I thought was interesting is that its location is a secret of the U.S. Forest Department, so it can be protected to prevent vandalism and stuff. But isn't that festive? It is. Super secret tree. If we knew where Methuselah the tree was. Yeah. We would have ruined her. He would be in danger. Yeah. So that's probably for the best. Yeah. I just loved the concept of like the United States Forest Department has secrets confidential like not the cia baby but the forest department <laughs> yeah you're like the park rangers have yeah secrets. they got secrets man like an elf about the about santa that's what that reminds me of <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all right those are all my fun facts that's great i love that <laughs> the right. quiz quiz time today's quiz features answers from lisa casey and jack This quiz is just based on um, just various plant trivia. Plant facts. Question number one. These are all multiple choice. Um, Question number one. How many species of edible plants are there? 300, 3,000, 30,000, or 300,000? I'll say 300,000. 3,000. So this isn't genealogy, is it? Not at all. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with 300,000. C. 30,000? 30, 30,000. It is 300,000. I'm honestly not surprised. Um, but like the really shocking part of that is that humans only eat 200 species of plant. That doesn't surprise me either. Because I, wa- I see all these videos on Instagram about like, you should be foraging and like, look at all this cool stuff you can eat. And like, we don't eat any of it. Like the girl on TikTok that does the like, here's jelly made out of pine cones. Yeah. And I really love her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we eat 200 different species and half of our protein from plants and our calories from plants come from three species, Whoa. which is maize, rice, and wheat. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's interesting. Yeah. No wonder our world's in a crisis. Wild. 
Um, question number two, what country has the most plant species? Ooh. Australia, Brazil, Indonesia, or China? Brazil. Brazil. Possibly Brazil. I want to say Brazil. Is that where the rainforest is? It is, yes. Okay. So Brazil thoughts. is the answer for that one because the Amazon rainforest has the greatest biodiversity of any place on the planet. It's so cool. Um, I love plants. <laughs> it has over 55,000 known species of plants, many of which you cannot find elsewhere. That's cool. And there's tons that we still don't know anything about. Like, yeah. There's tons of undiscovered plants That's there. amazing, too. So the scary part, mildly scary part, is that 80 for, 85% of plant life is found in the ocean. Hmm. <sighs> So, so there's like a lot of plants that we don't even know. Correct. Because yeah, the whole concept about how there's like places in the ocean that we've never even been, like that's wild. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. So you've got 55,000 species of plants in the Amazon rainforest, and then and that and then 85 percent is not included in that 55,000. Yeah, spooky. That's crazy. Um. All right. Question number three: What plant does vanilla flavoring come from? Lilac. Orchid, evergreen tree, or crocus? Maybe crocus? The crocus. Lila? Crocus? Is orchid. Orchid. Vanilla is a genus of orchid that originates in Mesoamerica, so that's like modern day Mexico and Guatemala. Oh. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Uh huh. Um, <clears throat> what is a cluster of bananas called? A clan? A bunch, a clutch, or a hand? How about a bunch? A bunch. A bunch. I think it's bunch, but now I feel like that's too easy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is too easy. Um, <laughs> technically speaking, a, a cluster of bananas is called a hand. A hand. And each individual banana is a finger. <laughs> weird. I don't like it. No. I really don't I care like for bunch. that. I like bunch. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot. Hand. Hand. <laughs> <laughs> what does the world's tallest flower smell like? Buttered popcorn, ammonia, rotting meat, or peanut butter? Buttered popcorn. Rotting meat. I'm going to go with rotting meat because it's bizarre. Mm -hmm. um, so rotting meat. Yes, so the flower of the Titan Aurum is the largest flower in the world, reaching up to 15 feet tall. Wow. Um, so that's two and a half of me. Yeah. Um, and it smells like rotting meat, which gives it the common name, the corpse, corpse flower. flower. Oh, this said that it... Um, so the blooms release an odor comparable to rotten flesh that can be smelled 0.5 miles away. Oh! So she's stanky. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. That's such a... Such I don't know where those guys live, but that's like, you know, those trees in the springtime. Is it dogwood? It's dogwood. That smell yucky? Yeah. Like those, you cannot smell half a mile away and they're still the worst. Oh, they're so still... So like, imagine dead body smell half a mile from the garden. <laughs> That's terrifying. That is. If there was a corpse flower, one. Oon. <laughs> here downtown, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere would smell it here downtown. That's horrific. That's terrifying. That's our show on plants. That's our show. That's it. That's what we got. Yeah. Um, that was really interesting. I learned a lot, as per usual. I mean, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that 
there's just so many crazy plants um, to to the point that, you know, we'll probably do more episodes in the future. Yeah, like Plants this. Part 2. Plants Part 2. But our next, next episode, mm-hmm. um, which will come out on May 24th, um, we're going to do animals. Animals. So, you know, there's lots of weird animals in the world. Love weird animal facts. Yeah. So, and if you have any ideas for us on things we should do in the future, reach out to us. You can send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Or come tell us. Yeah, come to the library and tell us in person. But we'd love to have your feedback of what we should dive into next. Yeah, totally. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye.